America spends five to ten times more on health care than any other country in the world. Then why does America rank number 43 worldwide for longevity? Third world countries such as Cuba and Costa Rica rank higher than the U.S. So what's wrong with health care in America? This is what's wrong. Our $3 trillion healthcare industry is focused on disease management, while 70% of our planet relies on traditional indigenous medicine that is focused on health optimization. Learn how. Join Dr. Dan Royal on the show, The Royal Treatment, bringing you the latest information on the best of medicine, biotechnology, and pharmacology, as well as secrets from the past. These secrets have withstood the test of time and are being rediscovered today. In fact, indigenous healthcare practitioners are using them for the benefit of their patients who seek optimal health and wellness. Now, here is Dr. Dan Royal. Greetings, listeners. I am Dr. Dan Royal, and you are now listening to The Royal Treatment. We're here every week to answer your health questions. And hopefully, we're accomplishing that for those of you who are listening. Our goal is to inform you because your doctors won't, quite frankly. They won't help you achieve optimal health and wellness because they can't. And that's why we're here to help you. You know that our healthcare system is built upon disease management, not upon health optimization. And that's what our show is about, helping to empower you, the listener, to make better informed healthcare decisions so that you can live a long, healthy, productive life. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Turtle Healing Band Clinic here in Las Vegas. That's where I work. You can find us on the web at Turtle Healing Band Clinic, just like it sounds, .com. Patients can even schedule there upon confirmation at their office. Or you can reach us here directly at 702-562-1454, 702-562-1454. We're under the jurisdiction of the Indian Nation. Why are we under that jurisdiction? Well, because the practice of alternative medicine needs protection. And the Crow Tribe of Indians has stepped up to exert their jurisdiction over the practice of what our federal government calls Traditional medicine, but traditional medicine includes all things complementary, alternative, holistic, and so forth. Those of you who are in the know may know that we only have one alternative medical board in the United States that is left today. That's in Arizona, where we have the Homeopathic Board of Medical Examiners. They're under sunset review this year. We'll wait and see if they survive, and then we'll have no other boards. We're Physicians, such as myself, MDs and DOs, can be dual licensed. They need that dual licensure to protect them against state medical boards that relic the practice of medicine or drug prescriptions. And when doctors step outside that paradigm, they do it at the risk of losing their license. This is why dual licensure is important. And the Crotary of Indians have created something called the First Nation Medical Board, which can provide a home for physicians who wish to use traditional medicine that includes natural products and protocols for their patients that help them along the path to becoming healthier, not simply managing their symptoms. It's also a home for people who have no board, such as our nature pass here in Nevada, and there are many other states where such practitioners are in need of protection because if something goes wrong with their patients and they have no board where professional disputes disputes, I should say, can be mitigated, then they come under the jurisdiction of the Attorney General's office and have to face criminal charges. We can help with that through licensure with the First Nation Medical Board. They also have something very unique that no other board in this country has, and that is an IRB. No state has an IRB, although Nevada had one at one time, and no medical board has one. An IRB is an institutional review board. This is a place where physicians can submit Protocols for clinical studies. The type of studies that are done under the jurisdiction of First Nation Medical Board are what we call non-interventional studies. This is where physicians are looking to see whether the things they're using in their practice are actually helping. They're not looking for a new drug or a new drug application. These are interventional studies that are done through hospitals, medical schools, universities, all under the jurisdiction of the FDA. Our studies do not need the FDA to sign off on what we're already using in our medical practice that are known to be safe. We simply want to show their effectiveness. In fact, we did such a study 
in my own clinic. It was about an 18-month study where we looked at nagalase. Nagalase is an enzyme produced by viruses and cancer, and it's tested at only one laboratory in the country, Health Diagnostics Research Institute in New Jersey. And it's elevated when patients have a virus or cancer. And so we monitored their response to an oral product that is actually patented to lower nagalase. And we found, well, the results were astonishing. Within one month, over 80% of the patients had a positive response. Within two months, over 90%. That study will be published this month in the Journal of Complementary and Alternative Medicine. Well, one of the things we like to do in our show is we like to review obituaries. People who die too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. That's because life expectancy in the United States recently declined for four years in a row, setting a new record for the history of the United States. That has now changed. We're now on the uptick as of 2018. We'll talk about that a little later in the program. We'll also be talking about a homeopathic case study. We'll continue our discussion from last week on vaccination history, and we'll share some other scientific studies that have recently been published. But let's start with the obituaries. We look at people locally and internationally that died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. Currently, the life expectancy here in the United States averages about 78.7 years of age. Now you're looking about 81 for women and 76 for men. First, we have a 40-year-old man who died peacefully in his home after a valiant struggle with neuroendocrine cancer. He was 41, 54-year-old man, passed away at home. Often you'll read in the obituary it was by natural causes, but of course, natural causes that came 20 years too soon. We have a 58-year-old woman who passed away, a 62-year-old woman who worked in asset management, died after a long illness, usually means cancer. A 62-year-old man passed away due to cardiovascular complications or heart disease. 62-year-old woman, owner of a dog grooming business, passed away. 64-year-old man who worked as an airline mechanic passed away. 65-year-old woman, a drug addiction counselor, passed away from cancer. 65-year-old man passed away from liver complications. 73-year-old man who worked as a civil law attorney. He died in the hospital. 76-year-old man who passed away from cancer. 77-year-old man, a stockbroker, died from complications due to Crohn's disease. 79-year-old man, a dentist, passed away from Parkinson's disease, and we have more. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. You're listening to the World Treatment. We're going to continue our discussion when we come back from the break. So please, my friends, stay with us. Low-dose chemotherapy uses only 10 to 20% of full-dose chemo, and it's known as IPT, or insulin-potentiated therapy. It's one of the safest and most innovative approaches to treating cancer effectively. IPT virtually eliminates side effects of full-dose chemo, such as nausea, hair loss, and fatigue. Could IPT be the answer you've been searching for? To find out, call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. IPT uses low-dose chemo with insulin. Cancer cells have up to 20 times more insulin receptors and use up to 20 times more sugar than normal cells. That's why cancer cells thrive while normal cells struggle to survive. One study showed that using low-dose chemo with insulin resulted in a 10,000% increase in cancer-killing ability. Could IPT with low-dose chemo and insulin help you? Call Dr. Royal at 702-562-1454 to see if you qualify for IPT. That's 702-562-1454. Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight-up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no. What are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs. And it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. Want to expand your advertising dollar? Sponsor this or any America Matters program by calling 775-827-8900, extension 2. Now back to the show. We are back to the show. Thank you, my friend, for sticking with us. You are listening to The Royal Treatment with Dr. Dan Royal. I'm here in Las Vegas at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. And right now we're reviewing obituaries. Why? Well, because we can. And frankly, nobody else seems to care. But we do because we think there's something to be learned. Medicine is supposed to be helping us be healthier, but many people are dying too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. The question we should be asking ourselves is, why isn't medicine preventing these? Such as cancer, declared war on cancer back in, well, the 1970s or early 80s. This has been going on for a long time, and cancer is, frankly, winning. Medicine will do all kinds of things to treat your disease, but cure is a verboten word in medicine. If you want that, you're going to have to take matters into your own hands, and you're going to have to pursue health optimization. That, my friends, is up to you. You need to invest in your health every single day, and you need to be detoxing every day because we live in a polluted world. Just because you can't see it, you can't smell it, doesn't mean it's not having an effect on you. So take heed and take care. Let's continue our discussion. We're talking about people locally, and I say locally, I'm talking about the areas of Las Vegas and Reno, Nevada, in the state of Nevada. I practice in Las Vegas, but these are the two main cities in this state. People who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had will continue on where we left off before the break. An 81-year-old woman who worked for mortgage companies died peacefully in her sleep from cancer, or I should say from the treatment of cancer. She most likely was receiving chemotherapy and or radiation at the time. But we don't have all the details. We can only read between the lines. We have an 82-year-old man, a United States Air Force veteran who worked in aircraft maintenance. He passed away also from cancer. Well, those are the local people. Now let's look at the international celebrities who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. Keeping in mind, here in the United States, the average life expectancy now is about 78.7 years of age. We have Vilin Prokofiev, Kazakh ice hockey player, died 18 years of age from Ewing's sarcoma. Ewing's sarcoma was named in 1920 by James Ewing. It represents about 2% of childhood cancer, 16% of all bone cancers, and affects 1 million Americans, and also has a very poor prognosis of 30% survival rate if by the time of diagnosis it's already metastasized. And then if it comes back a second time, there's a 10% survival rate. Not something you want to have. It's a type of cancer that seems to be triggered by, for example, a bone fracture that puts in motion some kind of a genetic autoimmune reaction. We have Michael Terra, American actor, died at 19 years of age at Arizona, Arizona State University from an accidental mixed drug overdose. The combination was fentanyl and etazolam. We don't know if this was prescribed by a physician. Most likely it was. But oftentimes, if we don't take things as prescribed and we think that more is better, this is what happens, particularly when you're taking respiratory suppressive drugs such as oxycodone and, in this case, fentanyl. If you take too much, you stop breathing and you die. 
And sometimes we try to take too much because we want to eliminate the pain completely, and it may not be possible. We have Kofi B. Gahanayan, high-life musician, died from a short illness known as a heart attack. Kasim al-Raimi, Yemeni Islamic militant and al-Qaeda leader, was killed at 41 years of age by a CIA drone airstrike. I guess you have to be careful where you are if the CIA is looking for you. Natasha Stewart, Australian rock singer, died at 43 years of age from breast cancer. Peter Aluma, Nigerian basketball player for NBA and Harlem Globetrotters, died at 46 years of age after falling ill over the weekend. Lev Mayorov, Russian Azerbaijani soccer player and trainer, died suddenly at 50 years of age. Suddenly means sudden death syndrome. And by the way, there's only one way you can actually check to see if you're at risk for sudden death syndrome. And did you know your cardiologist does not test any of his patients for it? You have to use heart rate variability. It's a very simple type of software that can be used on the computer in the office. It can even work with Bluetooth. In fact, I've used it over the years and I recently reordered it again because the version has come out with a new and improved software that not only allows us to check for patients in the office, but at home while they're asleep. We can do a 24-hour test on our patients looking at heart rate variability that screens for sudden death syndrome. Reed Mullen, American rock drummer, died at 53 years of age from an unspecified cause related to alcohol abuse. Dale Mortensen, American member of the Montana House of Representatives, died at 53 years of age from so-called natural causes. Manohar Untwal, Indian politician, died at 53 years of age from a brain hemorrhage, also known as a stroke. Miguel Arroyo, Mexican road racing cyclist. He was the 2000 national champion, died at 53 years of age. This was caused by respiratory arrest during a surgery that he received. Remember, the iatrogenic disease or hospital doctor-induced diseases is the number three cause of death in the United States, with 250,000 Americans dead because of drugs, surgeries, and so forth. Zana Antunes, British-American business journalist, died at 55 years of age from pancreatic cancer. John Andretti, American racing driver, died at 56 years of age from colon cancer. Chris Dolman, American Hall of Fame NFL football player, died at 58 years of age from glioblastoma of the brain or brain tumor. Cesar Zabala, soccer player for the Paraguayan national team, died at 58 years of age from bladder cancer. Terry Fair, American professional basketball player, died at 59 years of age from natural causes. Ely Barbulescu, soccer player for the Romanian national team, died at 62 years of age in his sleep after a heart attack. He was probably a patient at risk for sudden death syndrome, which means you have too much sympathetic and not enough parasympathetic. Lucine Barburin, American jazz trombonist, died at 63 years of age from prostate cancer. Gunnar Svensson, Swedish hockey player and coach, died at 64 years of age from lymphoma. Claudio Bonadio, Argentine federal judge, died at 64 years of age after being operated on in 2019 for a brain injury. Don't know the cause of that injury. Could have been a fall. Yoshinaga Fujita, Japanese novelist and screenwriter, died at 69 years of age from lung cancer. Ivan Crail, Czech-American musician and songwriter, at 71 years of age from cancer. Ramon Aviles, Puerto Rican Major League Baseball player, died at 71 years of age from diabetes and high blood pressure, or the combination thereof. When you have diabetes, you can have a silent heart attack because you lose the feeling to your heart. It deadens your nerves, just like it deadens the feeling in your extremities or your feet and reduces the blood flow, causing a heart attack. Peter Andore, Hungarian actor, died at 71 years of age after a brief but serious illness, probably cancer. Mike Moore, New Zealand ambassador to the United States, died at 71 years of age due to complications from stroke that occurred way back in 2015. Peter Andorai, Hungarian actor, died at 71 years of age from pneumonia. Peter Serkin, American classical pianist, died at 72 years of age from pancreatic cancer. Deborah Batts, American judge, first openly gay judge, died at 72 years of age in her sleep from sudden death syndrome. Harold Bean, American guitarist, died at 73 years of age after being hospitalized for a week. Cause of death unknown. Jamila Malik, an Indian actress, died at 74 years of age after suffering from age-related ailments for some time. Could have been dementia. Ram Maato, 
or Mahato, Indian politician that is 74 years of age from a heart attack, T.S. Raghavendra, Indian actor, playback singer, and music director that is 75 years of age from age-related ailments as well, and that's a quote. And finally, Lloyd Pretty, Canadian artist that is 75 years of age from prostate cancer. Well, those are the people who died too young from diseases they probably shouldn't have had just this last week, locally and internationally. Now, after four years of declines, we mentioned earlier in the program that life expectancy in the United States increased again in 2018. Finally, we got the report from the health officials. The jump in longevity comes as deaths from opioid overdose has dropped the first time in 28 years, as did deaths from six of the 10 leading causes. The new data could be a glimmer of Hope or good news for American health, with recent declines in average lifespans initially casting doubt on progress made over the past few decades. Remember, the previous decline in our life expectancy was 1993, and the last time it declined three years was 1916, 17, 18. So the four years it declined from 2014 through 2017 was a record for the United States. The three-year trend in life expectancy for total population either decreased and remaining steady has stopped the increase in 2018. From 2014 to 17, the increase in deaths from unintentional injuries contributed to the most decrease in life expectancy with decrease in cancer mortality offsetting the change in life expectancy. Between the years 2010 and 2014, life expectancy increased from 78.7 years to 78.9 years, 0.2 two-year increase, then fell between 2014 and 17 from 78.9 to 78.6. And guess what? In 2018, we're back up to 78.7 years of age. Now, the 10 leading causes of death in the United States were and currently are heart disease, stroke, chronic respiratory disease, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, flu, kidney disease, suicide, cancer, and accidents. And notice that the cause of death from drugs and hospital mistakes is completely omitted. Between 2017 and 18, decrease in death from cancer and unintentional injuries contributed to the most increase in life expectancy, with increase in mortality from the flu and pneumonia offsetting the change in life expectancy. For many years, life expectancy in other wealthy nations has been higher than the United States, than their life expectancy rates, and have been climbing compared to ours. Now, other findings in the 2018 report We will share with you right after the break as we continue our discussion on this subject of average life expectancy, finally increasing slightly to 70.7 years of age. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. We're listening to The Royal Treatment. We're going to come back after the break and continue our discussion. There's lots more to come. Stay with us. Can your own stem cells heal you? The miracle of life begins when an egg and a sperm unite. They form a single stem cell. Stem cells will keep dividing until directed by the body to become something else. Natural occurring stem cells can be found in all tissues of your body. Can your own stem cells help your body heal and repair itself? Find out more by calling Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. Dr. Royal has developed a unique patent-pending process for obtaining stem cells from your own blood. Stem cells can be concentrated, prepared, and delivered to areas where you need them most to repair old, damaged, and dying cells. Can your own stem cells help your body heal and repair itself? Are you a cancer patient in remission who needs rejuvenation for optimal health and wellness? Find out more by calling Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. Don't wait. Call today. That number again is 702-562-1454. The Delta and Bonanza Saloons in Virginia City are simply elegant. Imagine ascending the grand staircase and being surrounded by the Victorian elegance and grandeur of the historic banquet rooms. Original crystal chandeliers, mahogany bars, and oak dance floors highlight the eloquently appointed spaces. A truly romantic and unique setting for your wedding, banquets, or holiday parties. Detailed ceremony and menu planning ensures your special event is a memorable occasion. With just one call to Jesse at 775-847-0789, all of your arrangements will be handled by 
their experienced staff with your every expectation in mind, including cakes, flowers, photography, videography, music, and party amenities. Complete ceremony and reception packages are available as well as their famous themed weddings. Since 1865, the Delta and Bonanza Saloon's guests have come from every state in the union. Now it's your turn. No event is too large or too small. Let the Delta and Bonanza Saloons plan your next incredible event. Call Jesse at 775-847-0789. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. Unable to listen to the whole show? A recording of today's program will be available later today. Visit americamatters.us and click on the podcast link. Now, back to the show. We're back to the show. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and we're continuing our discussion on the increase in life expectancy in the United States for the first time in four years. But before we carry on, if you need to reach me, you have a medical question, and you would like an answer to that question, you can always email me at droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. D is in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L at Royal Medical Clinic, all one word, dot com. Or call us here at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic, 702-562-1454. 702-562-1454. You can also find us on the internet at turtlehealingbandclinic.com. We have other providers here. I'm not the only one. And there's lots to learn there. We have some of our services that are listed there. We do some blogging, and you can even schedule appointments that can be confirmed with our office online. What a world we live in. Well, before the break, we were talking about life expectancy and how things changed in 2018, such that current life expectancy in the United States is 78.7 years of age. Now, the other findings that were found in that report include the following. Among the 10 leading causes of death, only deaths from suicide and flu-related pneumonia actually rose. This is the 2018. More than half of the increase in life expectancy in 2018 was from fewer deaths from cancer and accidents. Drug overdose deaths dropped 4% from 2017 to 18. And interestingly, the majority of drug overdose deaths were, 90% of them at least, unintentional. Just like someone we mentioned in our obituary from last week who died from a combination of using fentanyl and itazolam. Drug overdose deaths in 2018 dropped in 14 states and the District of Columbia across the country overdose death. Uh, was about 20.7 per 100,000 in 2018, 21.7 in 2017. So there's a decline there. The rate of drug overdose deaths from drugs such as fentanyl, fentanyl analogs, and tramadol rose 10% from 2017 to 18. Between 2012 and 2018, the rate of drug overdose deaths from cocaine more than tripled, and from drugs such as methamphetamine increased five times. Seems to be a lot of focus on, well, pain-related prescription medicines and to some degree, recreational drugs resulting in overdoses or accidental deaths. But the good news is, hopefully, we're headed in the right direction. Only time will tell. Regardless of what happens, we can live every day with a good quality of life and a good attitude. And one of the things we want to talk about in the time that we have during the second half of our program is a homeopathic case. 
Homeopathic case is very interesting because a homeopathic medicine does something that drugs don't do. It can treat you not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, even psychologically. Theoretically, the difference depends on the potency. So a low potency of medicine will be used for physical symptoms. Higher potencies can be used for the more psychological symptoms. So, for example, we had a patient in my office last week. She had been in bed with the flu for three weeks. She hadn't been able to get out of bed. She had no energy. When she came to my office, I asked her if she needed a wheelchair. That's how bad she looked. Now, a physician had seen her and given her a couple of IVs, but this was really only for hydration and help for less than 24 hours. And she was back to where she was, feeling that she had no energy. So she came in the office, and we gave her a homeopathic type of treatment that we found over the past 30 years I've been in practice works very effectively. It involves giving the patient a type of IV push. Now, in the IV push, you can put a homeopathic medicine, of course, and maybe a few other things, such as vitamin B5, which helps with your adrenals, dilute hydrochloric acid, which helps to stimulate white blood cell production. But then we take some of the blood out of the patient, a small amount, and we make what's called an isode. So we take the blood, we mix it with a little bit of the concoction that we had created. We succuss that or shake it a hundred times, and we make it slightly homeopathic. That's how you make a homeopathic dilution. You dilute it, and then you shake it. Then we inject it in the contralateral buttocks or intramuscular, and we give the patient about 24 to 36 hours to feel the full effect. Now, sometimes they're feeling good before they even leave the office. But in this patient's case, she was feeling improved within 24 hours, good enough to get out of bed and go shopping. She said she was feeling 80% better. We saw her a little later in the office, and she came in just to get an IV infusion to ensure that she stayed on the road to recovery. And we use amino acids in our practice because this helps with immune function. It helps to lower reactions, antibody reactions to allergies, but it also helps improve immune function, especially where it is deficient. She came in a few days after that, and she was 100%. She was on the mend after the injection in the office. But one of the instructions that I gave her when she was here was to take an oral homeopathic flu medicine. It's a common over-the-counter concoction called oscillococcinum. What is it? Well, it's duck flu, and it's obtained from the duck liver. Now, in homeopathic medicine, you don't have to use the exact strain of flu that may be circulating every year. Homeopathy is a law of Similars. It only needs to be similar to. The difference with homeopathic medicine versus allopathic medicine or those prescription drugs that everybody seems to love so much is that instead of taking one dose, depending on the acute or chronic nature of the medical condition, its effectiveness depends on the frequency of the dose or the potency, depending on whether you're a classical homeopath or not, and you're prescribing constitutional medicines based on a person's personality type. In her case, we gave her the flu medicine and simply told her to take a dose under your tongue every hour to two hours until you feel better. Now, that was really added insurance to the isolate injection that we gave the patient. But our philosophy is to help the patients in the short term and the long term. We want to make sure the patients get better and give them every possible opportunity and advantage to do so. Well, the case I want to share with you today, this is a patient who presented to a classical homeopath complaining of panic attacks and Meniere's disease, which is ringing in the ears. This was a woman who is 37 years of age, and she was from Romania. Now, she asked for help for her two complaints, panic attacks and pain in her calves, followed by numbness. It happened when she was studying for her final exams. She was at law school, and she was also a widow from a few years ago. She had two children and was not having any help raising them. In other words, she was raising them as a single parent. Her husband had passed away suddenly from catastrophic bleeding that occurred from a gastric tumor. Her personal history included some vaccination according to the national protocol for where she lived at the time. Family history included a father who was healthy, a mother who had diabetes and was insulin dependent, and not surprisingly also had high blood pressure and renal insufficiency. The history of her complaints included 
as I already mentioned, her husband passed away. And for that, she was given something called Ignatia. Homeopathic Ignatia is excellent for those who are experiencing sadness and grief. I've often had patients in my office who hadn't been able to get over the death of a near friend or relative. And oftentimes, using a high-potency dose of Ignatia can help the patient balance out their emotions and get over their, their grief, which is healthy to an extent, but unhealthy when it continues without resolution. Patient came back about a year later, and she now experienced her first episode of vertigo, which is dizziness, when she was turning in bed. It was accompanied by a panic attack. Interestingly, there's an excellent homeopathic medicine called Vertigo Heal. It was produced by the Heal Company, uh, one of those homeopathic companies that was eventually run out of the United States by the FDA and their excessive requirements. They ran out other homeopathic companies as well, such as Dolisos and Sanum and so forth. But I believe that Vertigo Heal is available by prescription only in the state of Arizona. It works very well for these dizziness or vertigo attacks. The other thing that works very well is natural progesterone. Where you can put it behind your head if you're having vertigo. You can put it in your forehead if you're having a headache. works very well to calm things down and relieve the symptoms. She came back a year later. Now she's complaining of sinus congestion, which was surgically treated and for which she had received some antibiotics. But the vertigo episodes had resolved or receded. She came back shortly later, almost a year later. And now she was complaining of pain and numbness in her calves. A venous Doppler ultrasound was made to see if she had another deep vein thrombosis episode which was negative. Another year went by, and she still continued having panic attacks every time she remembered how her husband had died. The progressive paralysis of her lower limbs every time she was sitting for study and and, uh, standing had improved. She was given a prescription this time of a homeopathic medicine called conium maculatum. She was given one dose daily for three days. Now, the homeopath goes on to analyze or analyze the case by saying the following, called the case analysis. If we consider in the case in light of the level of health, we see that this patient is suffering from a higher group of health level, despite the fact that she slipped down one level with allopathic treatment. Clinically, it is a case for a prescription strategy based on a totality of symptoms. You have to take everything into consideration. Also, in this case, we can expect good recovery and eventual cure because everything took place gradually, starting with the moment she lost her husband. And she suffers from a gradually progressing weakness and numbness of her lower extremities, together with vertigo. And conium maculatum was selected. After taking the remedy, she slept for one week, about 10 to 14 hours daily. And the vertigo did briefly reappear, but she had no more pain in her lower legs. A year later, she came back and had an acute episode of gallbladder disease, for which she was given another prescription of the medicine. And... Shortly after that, she had more energy, no more panic attacks, no more vertigo, and she's ready to move on with her life. No more prescription needed. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. Listen to The Royal Treatment. We're going to continue our discussion when we come back from the break and talk about recent scientific studies. Stay with us. Targeting cancer cells with DMSO reduces the need for full-dose chemotherapy by up to 90% because DMSO targets cancer cells, not healthy cells. Research demonstrates that DMSO, also known as dimethyl sulfoxide, has an affinity for cancer cells, which also allows DMSO to enter them even when DMSO is carrying chemo drugs. Could low-dose chemo with DMSO be the answer you've been searching for? Find out more by calling Dr. Dan Royal at 702 When low-dose chemo is combined with DMSO or insulin, it's called potentiation therapy. This is because the cancer-killing power they create together is much greater than when they're administered separately. Are you a cancer patient who wants more than disease management? Could low-dose chemo help you achieve optimal health and wellness? Call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454 to see if you qualify for low-dose chemo. That's 702-562-1454. Virginia City is the source of all the richness in the West. While today it brings us a summer of fun with camel races, cook-offs, street vibrations, outhouse races, parades, and many more events, it's never dull. 
on the Comstock. A taste of all this richness can be found at Virginia City Kettle Corn Depot. Our kettle corn is made fresh every day with no additives, just coconut oil, sea salt, and some pure cane sugar. We also offer fresh caramel corn and white cheddar, to which we can add jalapeno. This summer, we are adding freshly made cotton candy and for hot summer days, Hawaiian shave ice, which on special occasions will offer some adult flavors like margarita, daiquiri, and pina colada. You can find Kettle Corn Depot at the south end of C Street, across from the Sheriff's Office. Our long-standing customers have faithfully been returning to Kettle Corn Depot since 2012. Come get your groove on in Virginia City. As humans, we ask ourselves all kinds of questions. But what if we were forced to ask ourselves a question every day that affected the outcome of the most basic things, the most important things in our lives? The question is, what is your sexual orientation or gender identity? And the answer is the difference between keeping your job or getting fired. The answer is the difference between staying in your home or getting evicted. The answer is the difference between receiving medical treatment or not. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against people based on their answer to this question. LGBT Americans have the right to say, I do, but they don't have the same basic rights as everyone else. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. This overload... Shannon Lawson here. Join us for the Nevada Radio Roundup, Fridays at 2 p.m. A good news variety show all about the local scene. The Nevada Roundup, Friday at 2. To join the conversation, call 844-790-TALK. That's 844-790-8255. Now, back to the show. We are back to the show, and thank you, my friends, for sticking with us. We're now in the fourth quarter of our show, The Royal Treatment. And I'm Dr. Dan Royal. Remember, you can always reach me at 702-562-1454. That's the Turtle Healing Bank Clinic here in Las Vegas, 702-562-1454. Or email me at droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. D is a D on your Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at royalmedicalclinic, all one word, dot com. Well, we want to talk a little bit about some scientific studies. But before we get there, I want to continue and finish our discussion that we started last week with vaccinations. As we know, there is a virus loose in the world called coronavirus. But this isn't the first time there's been a panic attack over a so-called disease that's going to destroy us all. Back in 2003, we had the SARS that was going to kill us all. Then in 2005, it was the bird flu. 2014, it was Ebola. 2016, Zika. 2019, measles. Now, 2020, it's coronavirus. What can you do to be Safe from it? Well, there are things you can do to protect yourself, and I'm going to share that with you here shortly. But if you get the flu, it's similar to all other flus and can be treated very simply and very safely, as we already talked about in this program today, using homeopathic isode injection, which is simple and safe enough to be used anywhere in the world, and to use homeopathic flu medicine, which is also simple and safe enough to be used in anyone, anywhere in the world, including infants, for which no drugs are actually approved. Now, one of the things you mentioned last week is that we have politicians who are panicking that give us a lot of confidence in our leaders when they're panicking and demanding that the CDC devote millions of dollars to developing a vaccine for the coronavirus. They want to use a RNA messenger protein for the vaccine, which has never been tested in humans, much less using the vaccine. But don't you fear, my friends, the government will take care of you. And they will certify that it's safe without ever testing it in humans for efficacy or safety. The CDC has been heard praising their vaccine campaign, saying the reality is that Americans have never been healthier than we are today. But that's not the reality presented by the actual figures on disease and death. Life expectancy has been decreasing in the U.S., as you know, between the years 2014 and 17. And a great variety of chronic diseases are increasing rapidly in young people. Inflammatory bowel disease, allergy, breast cancer, testicular cancer, infertility, rheumatoid arthritis, and premature births are among the growing health concerns in our United States. In the 1950s and 60s, the United States Public Health Service, national security took precedence over public health when they 
suppressed studies on the incidence of leukemia, fetal deaths, infant mortality, and birth defects caused by ionizing radiation from bomb tests and nuclear power reactor leaks. The truth about radiation's biological effects would have hurt the nuclear industry. The passage of the Price-Anderson Act of 1957, protecting the nuclear power industry from liability from damage caused by a nuclear disaster, revealed the political power of that industry. In 1986, Congress passed a law to protect vaccine manufacturers from financial liability resulting from harm done by vaccines. Imagine that. Realizing that corporations freed from product liability would have no incentive to improve safety of their vaccines, the law required the Secretary of the Health and Human Services to report regularly to Congress on the progress that they were making working with the manufacturers to reduce the harmful effects of the vaccines. It was only through a lawsuit when the Freedom of Information Act failed to evoke a response that the Department of Health and Human Services was forced in 2018 to reveal that it had no evidence showing that it had done anything to improve the safety of vaccine during those last 30 years. U.S. military personnel are required to salute their superiors in rank in the United States Public Health Service. Insubordination is taken very seriously in all of the United States uniformed services. Hierarchy and obedience aren't compatible with scientific objectivity. In the 1970s, Anthony Morris, the man in charge of evaluating vaccines, was telling his superiors that the influence of vaccines were worse than useless. In July 1976, as the swine flu vaccine was being prepared for an imminent pandemic, he was warning them of its dangers and was fired for his insubordination. He went on Phil Donahue's television show and warned the public of his dangers and ineffectiveness. Three years later, November 4, 1979, CBS's 60 Minutes program reviewed the swine flu episode and showed that there had been no such epidemic. One soldier who had been in bed with the flu symptoms collapsed during a forced march and later died. Four others with the virus recovered. David Sensor, who had been head of the Center for Disease Control at the time, said that no other cases had been confirmed anywhere in the world. There were more than 300 claims for deaths caused by the vaccine, however, and thousands of cases of paralysis. That vaccine campaign was stopped because of the high incidence of paralytic syndrome, but it was only in 2017 that the Guillain-Barre syndrome was included in the official list of vaccine injuries. Now, what can you do to protect yourself against getting ill as opposed to taking vaccines? Well, there are certain supplements that you can take. Nutrients such as vitamins A and D can greatly reduce the risk of infectious disease as well as chronic disease. The elimination of poverty and malnutrition, which you probably don't have, can prevent many epidemics. Poverty is a reservoir of infection. And this is why it's such a problem all around the world. But if you are going to supplement, make sure you get the best quality products from reputable companies, preferably professional quality products from your provider, because they're held to a higher standard, not what you get over the counter at the local drugstore. Well, let's take a look now at some of the scientific data that has recently come out. Here is a study that showed that people with Helicobacter pylori infection and a first-degree family history of gastric cancer, the two main factors for cancer, faced a significantly reduced risk of this malignancy when the infection was eradicated. Interestingly, you can check for Helicobacter at your local laboratory. There's an antibody you can get, and you want to check to see if your body is recognizing and making antibodies to it. Antibodies may include IgG, but certainly IgM, which means it's acute and active, and possibly IgA. During the immediate follow-up of about nine years, gastric cancer was developed in 10 participants in the treatment group and 23 in the placebo group. This study was done in South Korea. Of the 10 participants in the treatment group who developed gastric cancer, five had a persistent helicobacter pylori infection. Now, how is that typically treated in medicine? Well, they give you antibiotics. But helicobacter pylori is like a parasite. It grows when the, what we call intestinal milieu or environmental situation where you should have a balance of healthy and unhealthy bacteria and you're living in symbiosis, it becomes unbalanced. And then pathogenic bacteria such as helicobacter can grow. In the single-center trial, H. pylori or helicobacter-infected patients with at least one first-degree relative with cancer risk, I'm talking about gastric cancer, 
their risk of developing this malignancy was 55% lower in those receiving eradication treatment than in those receiving placebo. Now, of note, the risk of gastric cancer was 73% lower among persons in whom helicobacter pylori eradication was achieved than among those in whom infection was persistent, which means that if you have it, well, you should probably do something about it. The trial originally randomized 1,838 participants from screening during 2004 to 2011 to either eradication therapy with a drug or combination of drugs twice daily for seven days or, or placebo. The primary outcome was development of gastric cancer, which, of course, nobody wanted, while the secondary outcome was gastric cancer, according to H. pylori eradication status as assessed during follow-up. Surveillance endoscopies were performed every two years, and at the end of the trial in 2018, participants were still infected, received a 10-day quadruple therapy with a proton pump inhibitor, bismuth, metronidazole, and tetracycline, again, a drug combination. There are other ways to treat helicobacter pylori, for example, by changing the milieu of your internal organs, making sure your stomach is functioning properly. There are homeopathic tonics that can be taken. For that, with, from rapid milk companies, there's also excellent probiotics. Probiotic has to either be very, very concentrated, which we have. We have the most concentrated liquid on the planet. It has to be concentrated to get through the stomach acid, which kills most all of the probiotic, or it has to be formulated to get through the stomach acid, which we also have. At the baseline mean age in both arms of the study, the average age was 48.8, or I should say the mean age average. 50% were men. In both groups, the overwhelming majority of the patients in the treatment and placebo groups had a single first-group relative with gastric cancer, but some had two or more. A total of 1,676 participants were included in the modified intention-to-treat population for the final analysis of the primary outcome. Gastric cancer developed in 0.8% of participants in whom H. pylori was eradicated and in 2.9% of participants who had a persistent infection. That's about a four-and-a-half time increase, adverse effects such as the altered sense of taste and diarrhea were mild, but more common in the treatment group than the placebo group. The number needed to treat to prevent one case of gastric cancer was 65.7. Asked for his perspective, the researcher said, well, this is a well-designed randomized trial. It clearly shows a reduction in gastric cancer development in patients who underwent treatment for their H. pylori. In 2018, the researchers' group reported that treatment to eradicate H. pylori reduced by approximately 50% the risk of recurrence in individuals resected for early gastric cancer. And in 2019, a meta-analysis reached a similar conclusion, showing 50% lower odds of those patients who underwent treatment. Well, that's interesting. It's interesting to note that medicine is actually having some good effects when used preventively. But always remember, drugs have side effects. And... Although it's approved for one thing, many other things can go wrong. And when you're taking more than two drugs, well, all bets are off. Because all we know, they are the interaction between two drugs, not three or more. And we need to think about this. If things happen that are unrelated to the treatment, look for alternative means. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You are listening to The Royal Treatment. We're here every week to answer your health questions. And if you have a health question, well, stay tuned. We'll be here again next week for another episode of The Royal Treatment. But until then, my friends, I hope you have used your time wisely to learn one new thing. Be well.